Here I was proving that lying bastard John Paul Sartre wrong once again. Three o'clock is not always too late or too early for anything you want to do. It was 3.15 and I was in the municipal park admiring a toilet which had been fly-tipped into the raspy little stream that mithers its way through the trees. That porcelain throne would always flush now, I thought, as the water gushed through its dislocated U-bend. What Herculean efforts had been involved in getting it here, I wondered. The word dumped made an unwelcome appearance in my mind. A dumped toilet. It seemed positively tautologous, though of course it wasn't. The sunshine gave my cheek a stroke. So bewitching had been the spring weather on this day that it had even managed to lure a committed hermit like me outside, though not before 3pm. I wouldn't say that I was gladdened by it, that would be going too far. The void still gaped ominously before all actions taken in this world, even deciding to finish off the crossword in the local park, rather than indoors behind thick curtains. I just wasn't as bothered by it as I ordinarily would have been. Only fools would call such a thing progress. My time admiring the damp toilet had reached its acme. I felt that neither I nor it would tolerate any further veneration and so I made my way down the path, turning my attention to other delights. There were dog walkers bent double picking up the still warm excrement of their hounds an undignified genuflection that just about summed this country up. A desiccated condom dangled from a budding grove like a question mark, as though it too wondered at its own sordid presence there. And I was typically astounded by the large volume of smoking pensioners. Not smoking as in on fire and giving off smoke, but with actual cigarettes in their mouths, as opposed to those electronic abominations the youth smoke nowadays. The propensity of northern pensioners to smoke proper cigarettes always astonished me. It hadn't been like that down in the salubrious south. I marvelled at how they seemed to chuff away with grim determination. These northern coffin dodgers weren't afraid of cancer. They were practically willing it to happen. At 80-something, they'd had enough of life, yet their mortal coils were still firmly in place. Death would have no dominion. They were the last of the war generation, and that blitz spirit seemed to operate as some sort of holy grail. No wonder the elf surface was on the point of collapse. Nobody old ever fucking died anymore. One of the senior brigade was heading my way. She seemed pleasant enough. Sprightly, too. She had a lit cigarette between her fingers. One of my kind. Doing her bit for depopulation by puffing away on a cancer stick. Well done, I felt like saying. Keep up the good work. But I didn't. I did surprise myself, though, by saying something. In an almost jovial manner, I said, Morning. No one was more surprised than me by this outburst. I tell a lie because the old dear soon made it clear she was more surprised. Morning? 
Morning? It's fucking afternoon. She was livid. Are you taking the piss or what? What the fuck are you playing at saying morning for at three o'clock in the fucking afternoon? Given the breadth of her vocabulary, I could safely assume she was not going to get me seven down on the crossword. I, I, I sputtered, caught off guard by the unexpected barrage. As I stood there flummoxed, she fired off another volley. Think we're all sane now, do ya? You jumped up prick. Oh, got dementia, have we? I saw foggies, eh? Oh, do fucking lolly. Can't tell morning from night. You got fucking know you, shouldn't us? Coming up here, taking the piss, taking us jobs, taking us. She'd suddenly run out of nouns. She bought herself some time by taking a drag on her cigarette, glaring at me as she did so. Then something caught her eye across the way. Oi, Beryl, Beryl, she hollered. Come here, quick, I've got a right one here, I have. I better be on my way, I said, attempting to instigate my departure. Going nowhere, you're not, laddie, you stand put. Her voice was like a vice, and I was held in its grip. But I... Beryl wandered over. It seemed to take an age, but then she was probably in her late seventies. What's going on? You're bothering Aunt Doris, are you, young man? Are you? She prodded me with a bony finger. Fucking hell. Beryl was a prodder. No, uh, no, I was just... I just said good morning, that's all. That's not a crime now, is it? I was being munificent. She looked puzzled. You know, friendly, polite. Don't get lippy with me, sonny. It's three o'clock in the afternoon, isn't it? So what are you doing saying morning for? Tint morning, is it? I know, I was... I must have been confused. I don't get out much. Doris seized on this with frightening rapidity. Hey, Beryl, he's one of them weirdos what hides indoors all the time. I've read about them, Beryl. What's she saying? They're right dangerous. Pre-senile dementia. It shook the air like a siren. Ha! They hadn't been expecting that. You fucking what? Yes, pre-senile dementia. I've actually got dementia in my thirties. I'm a very rare case, apparently. Don't be daft. He's taking the piss again, Beryl. Ignore him. He's been doing it all afternoon, he has. All afternoon? Sorry, Chuck. All morning. That's better, isn't it? No. Well, you stood there now and you're dragging it out, wasting his time. This was getting all out of proportion. I had to fight my way through. Beryl's bony fingered be damned. Only now, a squat old man with a rubicund face and a walking stick was blocking my path. This was Fred. That's all I fucking needed. A Fred. I tried to press on past him, but that stick whipped up to block my way. Where do you think you're going, young man? Look, yes, 
I took that look straight out of the Tony Blair I Mean Business Stop Asking Me About Iraq playbook. Look, I've been pretty damn reasonable up to now, but I'm about to seriously lose my shit. Mind your language, there's women folk here. Fred was stern, brusque, no-nonsense, the kind of man who doesn't bat an eyelid about defecating in a public lavatory. We had absolutely nothing in common. I wasn't about to win him over with a well-turned quote from Horace, nor could I placate him with yarns about infamous cup ties of yesteryear, of which I knew nothing. Fred and I were opposite ends of an ugly socio-cultural spectrum that Britain has been manufacturing for centuries. What possible chance did I have of meaningful dialogue with him? Mind my language. Have you ever heard Doris speak? She's got a mouth on her like Snoop Dogg. Are you calling Doris a dog? Why are you blowing stuck up little hooligan? And the first thwack of his stick landed on my arm. Ow! That's it, Fred. You surely little bastard. There was real menace in Doris's voice now. Her fighting spirit had been invoked, charmed out of her dusty soul by Fred's phallic walking stick. Was I being paranoid or were her and Beryl readying their handbags now? They were either side of me. It was a classic pincer movement. Of course, this lot had seen the Allied troops counter the panzers at Normandy. What hope did I have? As they pressed towards me, I backed up down the path, past the kiddies' playground, past the overgrown tennis courts, towards the bowling green. It was the only part of the park that was immaculate. Just like a Hollywood star, the lawn was manicured weekly. The OAPs must have splashed half their weekly pension on the upkeep. It was skirted by rose bushes, high privet hedges and a few pokey little rooms. Toilets for the increasingly incontinent, I expect. They really thought of everything, didn't they? I knew I was being driven in the Bowling Green's direction, hemmed in, but I seemed helpless to counteract it. Everything felt implacable. Where were my choices, Sartre? Where were my options to make myself now? I was pushed up the steps, backwards and out of sight behind the hedges. I looked at the immaculate lawn. On it, statuesque and smartly attired, hunched ten more old biddies. Each clutched a polished black bowl in one hand. One tugged his flat cap as if to communicate with the trio who herded me there. Good job. Well done. We'll take it from here. Lie him down, Fred, came the command from one among them. We've got a game to play. I was ushered towards the bowling green and suddenly lost my footing. I'd slipped on something. Small white balls. Once down, someone fat, Fred, sat on my back. I turned my head to face the assembled crones, in silhouette now, at the other end of the green. The first bowl, ball, came my way. If they were aiming for me, and they surely were, it was way off. So was the second and the third, the latter clacking uselessly into the formware, nowhere near me. Their bowling was pitiful. 
At this rate, I felt confident that I would still be rescued by a passerby who wasn't part of this deranged cabal of senior citizens. I watched as the fourth bowl curved away from me. It was clear that they'd got the sense of the bias all wrong. The reason for this only became apparent with the fifth bowl, whose parabolic orbit swung in the closest yet. It drew up about a foot away from my face, teetered back and forth before lolling over a few inches away. I found myself face to face with a face, a spheroid face. I screamed, I actually fucking screamed, which left me almost nowhere to go emotionally when the damn thing's eyes opened and it spoke. Welcome to eternity. Male or female, I couldn't tell. It had sounded robotic, but perhaps my hearing was playing tricks. Perhaps the whole thing was a hallucination or some involuntary remembrance of the decapitated android bishop in Aliens. Perhaps. No wonder the bowling balls hadn't bowled properly. These were the skulls of vanquished youths who'd had the misfortune to stumble into the path of the Blue Rinse thug life set. The faces had been plasticised, the facial features flattened, curved by the necessity of a spherical shape, but it was there, visible, just below the glimmering black surface, a ghost in an obsidian mirror. Who were these octogenarian monsters? Goths? Visigoths? Pagans? Baptists? Die-hard Game of Thrones fans? As I lay there awaiting the next bowl, I tried to understand how they'd done it. How had they synchronised their actions? Was this some sort of ritual? Preposterous. What possible bloodlust could this lot need sating? Then it dawned on me. The war! This lot had got a taste for blood back then, for thrills that they'd never quite lost, no matter the years in between. Of course. Splat! A bowling ball had just broken my nose. Tears spilled, blood gushed. Now they had a marker to aim at. The bowling balls were being delivered at greater speeds towards my skull, which had become the jack in a terrible game of death or deformity. Thunk! Another cracked against the side of my head. I couldn't distinguish. I could distinguish hoots and cheers, but more vaguely now. The bowl stopped coming. I heard mutterings and some particularly melancholic bird song until the crackle of a gramophone needle intervened, the prelude to Benny Goodman's swing classic Stomping at the Savoy. Dirty old Reg! shouted someone. Reg duly obliged. I watched as the wild-eyed OAPs jived towards me in pairs. It was the stuff of a Cohen Brothers musical montage. This histrionic gesture was not, as I had foolishly imagined, to reclaim their bowling balls, but instead provided the accompaniment to their dancing a jig on my cranium in their orthopedically sound footwear. A soft-souled stompathon. Not too much. We don't want him misshapen. Plastic bobs won't like it.
It seemed as though the unsettling name of Plastics Bob would be the last words I ever heard. But they weren't. Now I roll and clack and see, variously, grass and sky twice a week in the summer. I get out more than ever and even socialise too. We talk of what was more than what will be in the bags between games or on the greens. The violence of the fires, those demon deliveries in which we smash into one another, is not so very different from how we lived our lives. If this is purgatory, then every game is one more sin expunged. If not, then hell is a bowling ball curving slowly on the expansive plush of green forever, and is sometimes very heaven. Modern Gothic will return with another weird story next week. You lucky, fucked up people. If you have enjoyed Modern Gothic, you might like to try some other podcasts by the same writer and producer, such as Baker Street 2033 and Dear Old Blood, Notes on a Wittgenstein Noir. You could also consider supporting the writer at buymeacoffee.com slash Neil Fitzgerald.